are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. We have been talking about new grounds. Everybody say new grounds. All right. And we're taking our text from Genesis 12, verse 1. Bible says, Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. That means it is not a land that you know. It is a land that I will show thee. And this experience is what we found ourselves in at this time. Hallelujah. Where God is bringing us from where we are familiar with. And he has positioned us where we have never been. Hallelujah. And we call that place new ground. Amen. Alright, having said that. There are several statements or deep things that have been said. I hope you know that there are deep things of God. I hope you know that. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say there are deep things of God. I don't think your neighbor heard it. Hallelujah. Let me read a scripture to you. And then from there we will find a good landing position. Verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me start from verse 6. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, the word perfect there is talking about those that are mature. Hallelujah. Uh, the Greek word translated there is talking about spiritual maturity. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, that means that that wisdom of God is a hidden wisdom. It's not a wisdom that a man stumbles on along a bar road. Amen. It's the only way you can come in contact with that wisdom is that it has to be revealed to you. Hallelujah. It has to be what? Revealed to you. So that's why it's called a hidden wisdom. Praise God. But we're going somewhere. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery... Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Amen. Now, when he says unto our glory, meaning that it's for our benefit. Hallelujah. This wisdom that was hidden was hidden for our benefit. That means that God had this in mind before we showed up. Hallelujah. That this wisdom is for us. It's for our use. Alright? The wisdom of God is for our use. Now, follow me. Verse 8. 
which none of the princes of the world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That means that the crucifixion of Jesus was a manifestation of the wisdom. Hallelujah. Are we together? Okay. And that means that that wisdom will always baffle the devil. Hallelujah. Now, he now says in verse 9. My focus is 10, right? So we're getting there. Verse 9. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Pause. Now, he's saying that the same thing he said before. What God had prepared for those that love him. Are you those that love him? What God had prepared for those that love him. It means that it's beyond what you have heard. Hallelujah. Are you understanding me? I have not seen. That means it's, it's, it's a wonder. Praise God. Are we together? I had not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. That means that a man can, has, nobody has imagined it. Praise God. What God has prepared for us. That means it is wonderful. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to get to the next verse. I explained all of this to get to verse 10. He now said in verse 10, But God had revealed these things. These wonderful things. He had revealed them to who? To, to say to me. How? By His spirits. Are you seeing that? He has revealed them. That means that this revelation, the Holy Spirit is the custodian of that revelation. So how we get into these things, how we get to know about these things, is by the help of what? The Holy Spirit. Hold that thought in your mind. For the Spirit searcheth all things. And when he means all things here, he's not just talking about He's talking about the fact that there's nothing, whether it's science, education, business, career, politics, alright? There's nothing outside the reach of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's no knowledge beyond Him. Amen. Alright? He now said, Yea, the deep things of God. Now when the Bible says the deep things of God, it means that there are shallow things. Amen. Alright? There are shallow things. So, I go back to my statement where I started from. Since we started talking about new grounds, we must have mentioned some deep things. Alright? And the truth is that if you cannot even swim in shallow waters, definitely you will drown in deep waters. Are you understanding me? And as a pastor, I understand that Everyone is not on the same level of spiritual growth. Hallelujah. Some just started. Some are midway. Are you understanding me? Some might not even have started. Hallelujah. But there are things called the deep things of God. It's called the deep things of God because it's not where you start. Are you understanding me? It is not where you start. That's why it's called the deep things of God. I'll show you another scripture that will make you understand that there in the in the things of the spirit there are deep things and there are shallow things. Hallelujah. 
When we say shallow, we are not saying it in a derogatory way or trying to belittle what it is. What we are just trying to explain in comparison with the deep things, are you understanding me? It's shallow. Amen. That means that there are ABCs in the spirit and there are XYZs. Amen. That means there is mathematics and there is further maths. That means there is physics and there is advanced physics. Are you understanding me? Alright. So, when you understand that spiritual things are that way, you will now value what Jesus said in Matthew 5, where he said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He said, For they shall be filled. Meaning that what keeps you going on that journey until you embrace those deep things is the hunger. Amen? Spiritual hunger. Are you listening to me? That means that anything that distracts you or makes you not hungry anymore is antichrist. Amen. Are you listening to me? Okay. So, we've talked about the fact that there are deep things of God. Let me show you one more scripture. In Hebrews 5 verse 12, I'll read 12, 13 and 14, then we'll enter Hebrews chapter 6. Look at this scripture. It said, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need, hallelujah, that one teach you again. That means, if I say teach you again, it means you've been taught before. Hallelujah. What? Which be the first principles. That means, if there are first principles, there are second, third, there are further principles. So he talked about the first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. That means he's telling you that there is what we call the milk of the word and there is the strong meats. Amen. Are you seeing the demarcation? Then here too he's showing us that there are things that are first principles and there are advanced principles. Amen. The word translated first principle, actually we are putting it this way, basics. Hallelujah. So there are basics and there are advanced things. Now, the same scripture earlier on, he said, for when for the time, that means that this growth from the basics to advanced is time dependent. Amen. Are we together? It's time dependent. You can't be born again today and grow to maturity today. Amen. Are you understanding? There is no provision for that. The process of spiritual development. Okay, let me put it better. Spiritual development is a process. Salvation is instantaneous. Growth is progressive. Are you understanding me? Salvation is instantaneous. That means that the day a man says Jesus... I believe you died for my sins. I confess you as Lord and Savior. That instance. Immediately. Salvation comes. But spiritual growth is not instance. Are we together? If you say, okay, I'm going to pray in tongues for six hours. After the six hours, you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean that you are now spiritually mature. Hallelujah. If you say you're going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, you will go through the fast. Perhaps it might open your eyes to certain things. It might teach you certain things. You might learn a lot of things. But it doesn't mean that after the fast, you have become spiritually mature. Praise God. 
He said, okay, I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going to sit down here until I read from Genesis to Revelation. And you could spend days, alright, and read from Genesis to Revelation and finish it. Does not mean that you have become spiritually mature. Hallelujah. Are we together? Spiritual maturity takes time. But time is not the only factor in spiritual maturity. There are other factors. The person must be interested in growing. Are you understanding me? If not, time is, if time was the only factor, it means that if you get saved, no matter what happens, you will just be matured. No. There are several people that have been saved for a long time, but they are not yet spiritually mature. Hallelujah. So spiritual maturity, even if it's a function of time, it is also dependent on the desire of the individual. Hallelujah. So you must desire to grow. 1 Peter 2 verse 2. Now, in 1 Peter 2 2, we always quote it this way. The scripture actually said, as newborn babes desire. He was not talking to newborn babes. He was using newborn babes as an illustration. Hallelujah. The same way a baby is hungry for food, you also desire the milk of the word that you may grow. That means that the first thing is that there must be a desire. Hallelujah. That desire was there when you got born. The moment you got born again, the desire was in your spirit as you got saved. Amen? Now, you make sure that you keep that desire on. That desire is like an appetite. Are you with me? If you feed the appetite, it will grow. So the desire can be deeper and stronger and the desire can also be weak. Are you with me? And the scripture tells us what to desire. It is as, just like newborn babes in Christ, desire to know all the matches that man you played. It is a desire to know all that is happening in a political scene. No. It said the desire is for what? The sincere milk. Okay. Let's go there now. Now, he said the sincere milk. That means there is an insincere one. Amen. Are you listening to me? You can feed a baby with milk that will turn his tummy. Are you understanding me? Now, but the scripture is saying that what you should desire is the sincere milk of the word. The unadulterated milk of the word. Hallelujah. And then, when you take the milk, you don't have to pray to grow. The milk will make you grow. Amen. Are you understanding me? The, the milk has nutrients in it that will produce growth in your life. So, the same way the Word of God has nutrients, hallelujah, within it that will produce growth in your life. That means that if I have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, my next major project is to grow in Christ. Hallelujah. Am I communicating? That's the next thing. To what? Grow. Let me just read to you Second Peter chapter 3. I like to read the last verse, 18. 2 Peter 3.18 Let's read it together. I want to go. But grow in grace 
and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then it says, to him the glory both now and forever. Amen. So, it means that the grace of God, we are to grow in it. Hallelujah. Alright? But he did not disconnect the fact that the growth in grace is connected to the growth to knowledge. Hallelujah. It's connected to what? Knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what? When we talk about knowledge, you could call it acquisition of information. Alright? But the point is that knowledge of what? Is it the knowledge of all the countries of the world? Is it the knowledge of all the transition elements in the periodic table? Are you understanding me? No. It's the knowledge first of what Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. You know, some of us got born again. And when we got born again, we are trying to worship and serve God with the knowledge we had about God before we got born again. Amen? I'll say that again. Some of us got born again, but we are trying to serve God and worship Him with the knowledge we had about God before we got born again. You know, if you've never met somebody, but you've heard about the person, you can say you know the person. Are you understanding me? But what you know is based on what you heard about him or her. When you meet the person, you have to start adjusting to what you have seen. If it, especially if it's different from what they told you about the person. Are you listening to me? There are a lot of us that religiously we were brought up and we were told about God. Every unbeliever had heard about God. As a matter of fact, anybody that is an adult, at least from a particular age, would have heard about a supreme deity or being, God. But the difference between you and the one that has heard about God is that now that you are born again, you are in a relationship with that God. Hallelujah. Now, now that you are in a relationship, stop Trying to relate with God based on what you heard about Him before you met Him. Are you listening to me? Now that you have met Him, allow Him teach you and tell you who He is. Are you listening to me? Allow Him reveal Himself to you. Look through the Bible, even in the Old Testament. Be it Abraham, Noah, Moses, mention all of them. When they had their encounter with God, they saw something about God that they did not know before. Hallelujah. Why? Because they had heard about God. Job made a statement. I believe it's in the last chapter of Job. He said, I have heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see thee. Meaning that when I now met you, I understood something about you that I did not know before. Are we together? See, what I just said now is like a stepping stone for you to understand the other things I'm going to say. 
before we got born again, you know, we have a lot of children's story books as kids. Some of us still have those kind of books around with us. And they have a picture of the devil, alright? And um, sometimes you can't blame um, those artists and all that. They have a picture of the devil and the picture they always have is something black that has a horn and carries a, a long fork. You understand that? And so that's the picture we have of the devil. They also have an image that people have about God. And there are a lot of pictorial representations of God. Whether you like it or not, your picture or image of God is based on those things. Are you understanding me? It's based on those things. Your parents will tell you, don't tell lies. God will punish you. Are you understanding me? Why would you do that? You want God to be angry with you? That's what they told you about God. Are you understanding me? So, you've not met Him. But you've heard about Him. Some of you even watch the news. And then there's a, an earthquake somewhere, or tornado somewhere, or one natural disaster. And then they say, these are the acts of God. You say, hey, is God that did that? Are you understanding me? At the end of the day, what they told you, I, I said this, I've said this several times, that if there's, you know, they talk about the government of the day in this country having bad PR, alright? That means that uh, the publicists of the government have not done a good job. I don't know who has a bad PR than God. Amen. Are you understanding me? I don't know who has something worse than God himself. And that's when we are preaching, we are doing PR for God. Amen. Telling you who he really is. Amen. Because religion has painted God in a way that he is not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, here you are unsaved. And you've heard so many things about God. Heard so many things about God. I'm trying to remember some of the things I've heard about God as a child. You know? And um, then you get saved. And you are carrying with you everything you heard about God in your place of prayer. As you are reading and turning through the pages of the Bible, you are carrying with you everything you heard about God. Now let me say this to you. If you don't really know who God is, you cannot enjoy Him. Are you understanding me? You can't enjoy Him. You can't enjoy Him. Because even when He is reaching out to you, you will still be running from Him. Are we together? Because if I tell you, for example, I call somebody here and I say, this guy is evil. This guy is dangerous. He's armed to the teeth. As a matter of fact, he can kill with his bare hands. After telling you all this about the fellow, then they now leave you in a room with that fellow. And then he puts his hand in his pocket and he intends to shake you. Won't you start defending yourself? Because in your mind, this kind of fellow does not shake people. He hurts people. 
Are you understanding me? So, he might even try to shake you. You start crying. Please, please. please. Say, oh, no, no, no. I just want to say hello. You understand that? Even when you're shaking, you're afraid. Because of what you heard about him. Are you listening to me? So, there are a lot of people that go to the place of prayer. And they cannot receive because of what they had heard about God. Some are reading their Bible. But they are reading their Bible with the lenses of what they had heard or seen about God. Hallelujah. Or what people have told them about God. Praise God. Hallelujah. One thing you do for yourself when you receive Jesus. Forget everything you knew about God. And learn afresh. Hallelujah. Are you understanding me? Learn afresh. Now that you are in the relationship, allow God teach you who He is. Allow God reveal who He is to you. Have you seen unbelievers talking about God? <laughs> unbelievers are not saved. Alright? Unbelievers. They are not saved. That's why they are unbelievers. They, if, have you heard them talk about God? They won't be telling a Christian how Christianity is supposed to be. If you say you are a child of God, you are supposed to. Listen to me. There is no unbeliever that knows what Christianity is supposed to be. They are only imagining that that's what it should be. Nobody knows how it should be. If you have not experienced it, you then you don't know what it is. Amen. So, you are, you are a believer. Stop allowing unbelievers counsel you about your faith. Are you understanding me? There's a difference when they counsel you about life. Of course, you have an unbeliever doctor, he can counsel you about your health. You, understand? you have an unbeliever teacher, he will counsel you about how to study. But concerning your faith, listen to me, an unbeliever cannot tell you how to serve God. Amen? Because he doesn't know it. So, when you come into the kingdom, Forget about everything you heard about God before you met Him. Start afresh. Hallelujah. Start afresh. And if people allow God to reveal Himself to them, I tell you, there will be less controversies and confusion around the body of Christ. Amen? Yeah. Glory to God. Now, if you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, from the moment you get born again, you are immediately engaged in a training program. Hallelujah. By the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Go back to Hebrews 5.12. Let me use that scripture. I read 12 and maybe I'll read 13 this time. What did he say? He said, for when for the time you ought to be what? Teachers. That means that from where you started, you are supposed to be here by now. That means that By continuous impartation of knowledge, you are supposed to be in a place where you are now imparting knowledge. Are you listening to me? 
For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need, I won't teach you again. That means that the teaching never stops. Hallelujah. What happens is that is what they are teaching you that changes. Amen. But teaching never stops. As long as you are on earth and you are in Christ, the Spirit of God will keep teaching you. Amen. Are you listening to me? He will keep what? Teaching you. That's one major role of the Holy Spirit. To teach us. He's our teacher. Hallelujah. To teach us. Because nobody can sit down and come up with an equation on how to please God. Amen. No. It is a spiritual thing. It has to be revealed. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. We read that in 1 Corinthians 2. Alright. So, these things are revealed by the spirits. Continue Hebrews 5.12. Now I said, You have need, I want to teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13. For everyone, listen, that useth milk, that means he's still just with milk. He has not progressed to strong meat. What did he say? He is what? Unskillful. That means that God wants us to be skillful. Amen. Are you understanding me? He wants us to be what? To be skillful. Skillful in what? In the word of righteousness. What is the word of righteousness? The message. Some translations say the doctrine of righteousness. Hallelujah. He wants you to be skilled. Now, let's settle here. What does it mean to be skilled? If I say, so-so person is skilled in singing. Everybody at least can sing. But some are not skilled. Are you understanding me? If I ask some brothers here, they will tell you they can cook. Is that not so? But they might not be skilled. Because they are the only ones that can eat what they cooked. So it takes what? Training huh? for skill to be acquired. Are you listening to me? Skill is knowledge. Alright? That means that when someone is skilled, the person knows how to use the knowledge that he was given. That's what it means. He said, oh, that fellow is a skilled mechanic. That means the knowledge you gave to him, he knows how to use it well. Hallelujah. Okay, so being skilled in the doctrine of righteousness does not mean you have heard about righteousness before. Mm, that's not what it means. Hearing about righteousness does not mean you are skilled in the message of righteousness. Are you listening to me? Alright? So, oh no. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is the ability to, to what's that thing again? Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without fear and fear to complex. That doesn't mean you are skilled. That just means that you've heard about righteousness. To be skilled in righteousness means that you know how to use it to achieve something. Are you with me? You know how to use the understanding you have of righteousness to advance your career. 
You know how to use the understanding of righteousness to get your, your prayers answered. Are you understanding me? You know how to use the understanding of righteousness to heal the sick and help those that are in need. You know how to use the understanding of righteousness to move from the level you are to the next level. Are you understanding me? That's what it means to be what? Skilled. In the message of righteousness. When you are skilled in the message of righteousness, you, you also know that righteousness is the basis for your authority over the devil. Are you understanding me? So, you will not hear that there is a witch on this street or there is a witch in this compound and then you will pack out. That means you are not skilled in the message of righteousness. Amen. Yes. There, even as I'm talking, there are some people that say, what has righteousness got to do with devil? Are you, there's somebody thinking that. You know? What has righteousness got to do with devil? Righteousness? Devil. Because what they know about righteousness <laughs> is not what the Bible said about righteousness. Are you understanding me? It's what someone told them about righteousness. They've never taken time to sit down and understand what righteousness really is. So let me just give you an idea of what it is. In Romans chapter 10 verse 1 through to 4, there is no better definition of righteousness, alright, than what you find there. And I, I believe it's so elementary that um, um, anybody you are bringing into this truth could come through these paths. Praise God. From verse 1. Look at Paul's prayer. Alright? Brethren, my prayer and heart desire to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2. Look at this. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. That means that zeal is not righteousness. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? We are coming somewhere. He said they have a zeal but it's not according to knowledge. That means that, let me just jump five steps ahead of myself. That means that you can have a zeal about these new grounds we are talking, but if it's not according to knowledge, are you understanding me? Then something is not right. Are you listening? So your zeal must be according to knowledge. There is a wisdom key I wrote in 1999. And I said, because it came from this scripture, zeal gives motion. Knowledge gives direction. Are you understanding me? That means that it is because of zeal that you step out. But if there is no knowledge, you will soon go off track. So zeal is motion. It gives you motion. But what keeps you on track is knowledge. Am I communicating? So they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Then verse 3. He now starts explaining what they are, why, why, what, what ignorance, what, what area they are ignorant in. Now listen to me. The Israelites, you cannot call an Israelite ignorance. <laughs> are you understanding me? Are you with me? An Israelite actually even understands the law and the prophets better than you. Because right from a young age, they are taught to memorize the law. Just like you have um, a, 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 um, 
Islamic scholars taking children in uh, Islamic classes and all that from childhood and they could quote the Quran and all that. That is how Jewish children are raised. So you cannot tell a Jewish child that he's ignorant. He'll just laugh at you. <laughs> what do you know? But it means that they know every other thing apart from what they are supposed to know. And I pray today that will not be your story. Are you listening to me? Listen to me. It's not important that you know everything. What's important that you know what you need to know. Look at two people close to you and say, Know what you need to know. Tell the other person, Know what you need to know. There are some things that are not important. So he said, they being ignorant. Now he tells us what they were ignorant of. They being ignorant of what? Of God's righteousness. Everybody say God's righteousness. Alright? And going about to do what? To establish their own righteousness. So in this portion, he has told us about God's righteousness and man's righteousness. So, are you trying to go about establishing your own righteousness? Let me punch you in the nose a bit. Since I was a child and grew up, these lips have never tasted alcohol. They are sanctified lips. Therefore, Lord, let pure words come out of my mouth. I was with a sister. This is very funny. I was, not, I was being sarcastic anyway. And then, this was in university at that time. Then she said, we were quite a number of people. Then she made a statement. She said, no man has ever touched me. And I said, I said, you mean it? <laughs> she said, yes. I said, you mean it? <laughs> she said, yes. I said, no man has ever touched you. <laughs> and I was touching her shoulder. I said, you mean it? And she didn't catch the joke on time. She said, yes. <laughs> So, people are trying to establish their own righteousness. Let me explain something to you. God is not against you having morals and setting standards for yourself. God is not against you doing that. What God is against is that when you are relating with Him, don't bring those standards before Him. Are you understanding me? That's the issue. So you can say to yourself that, look, 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 I will never in my life touch any beef. Eh? Or some of you that are trying to lose weight. You say, no more soft drinks, no soda, just water. Then you say, look, in the last four years, I have not tasted soda, just water. You know, it feels good to you. <laughs> it shows that you are a disciplined person. You understand? It shows that, you know, and you know something about discipline, it attracts respect. Are you understanding me? When you say it, 
Even the person that is holding a bottle of Coke in his hand, he, he doesn't know whether he should drop it or... I, I, I don't understand me because he's condemned in your presence immediately. And God is not against that, alright? Setting standards for yourself. Oh, I will never in my life borrow. I will never beg in my life. God is, God is not against it. But what the problem is, is that when you start relating with Him, don't come on the basis of that righteousness. Because it means nothing to Him. Are you understanding me? That's the point. So, the Jewish people, what the problem was that they said they were going about, and the reason they were trying to go about to establish their own righteousness is that they were ignorant of God's righteousness. That's why you should not be ignorant, because if you are ignorant of God's righteousness, you'll find that all your life you'll be going about trying to establish your own righteousness. You kneel down to pray. You say, Lord, You see, in this whole family, I'm the only one that prays to you. Don't put me to shame. <laughs> you, you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm the only one that prays. They know that I'm the only one that goes to church. They know, don't put me to shame. That's your righteousness. Are you understanding me? What you are telling God is, Lord, reward me for what I've been doing. Oh Lord, in, on our streets, we are the only ones that go to church. Worship the Lord. Don't put us to shame. It's not about you. God's commitment is not to your righteousness. Are you understanding me? God's commitment is to the covenant. Hallelujah. Are you understanding me? So they say, because they are ignorant of God's righteousness, they are going about to establish their own righteousness. Then he says, have not, because of that, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They have not what? Submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That means that we are supposed to what? Submit. Everybody say submit. To what? To the righteousness of God. When you submit to the righteousness of God in prayer, you will say, Father, I know that the reason why you are meeting my need is not because I have suffered too much. <laughs> are you understanding me? You know, some, there are some people that come to God and say, Lord, you have suffered. Lord, I have suffered. Based on my suffering, I should qualify for some enjoyment. I know I've used people try to blackmail God. You are not a wicked God. Because it's only a wicked God that will see me in this state and not intervene. <laughs> I answer, you are not a wicked God. God, I'm telling you, you are not a wicked God. <laughs> As I'm talking, I'm, to I'm telling you what someone is praying about. Listen, you don't approach God on the basis of how much you have suffered or how much you have done right. The basis on which you approach God 
is what Jesus did for you. Amen. Are you understanding me? And what releases the arm of the Lord, what reveals God's power, is when you believe that report, hallelujah, of what Jesus has done for you. That means that when I find myself in trouble, I go to God's word to remind myself about what Jesus did for me. Then, when I go to the place of prayer and supplication, I am pleading based on the fact that that sacrifice should speak what? Now. Not my own sacrifice. The sacrifice that was done for me should speak over me now. Amen. I pray I'll have time to enter where I want to go to. Today I have a very long teaching. I might finish on Friday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so, they have not submitted themselves unto what? Unto the righteousness of God. There's a reason why we came here. Alright. I'm trying to explain to you that you have to be skilled. Alright. In the righteousness of God. Don't forget that. So, we came here because I'm trying to explain to you that these people were ignorant. That means they didn't even know about it. So the first place is to know about it. Hallelujah. To know what the righteousness of God is. So they are ignorant and they do not submit themselves to it. Then the last verse, uh, I want to read verse 4. And I said, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. Now, in case King James did not come through because you didn't catch the English, let's read it in New Living Translation so you will understand what he was talking about. Romans 10, verse 4, NLT. It says, let's read together, one to go. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Are you understanding me? Are you with me? This is righteousness. It's being made right with God. Okay. Since I am here, let me explain it better. What the law was demanding from them was to say, look, if you want God to be pleased with you, do this. And then do this. And then don't forget to do this. And then don't forget to do that. One more thing. Also this one. <laughs> Are you understanding me? And then the more they tried to keep the law, the more they found out that it was not possible. Are you understanding me? Now, the purpose of the law, whatever the purpose was, when Jesus came, He fulfilled the purpose of the law. That means that everyone that believes in Jesus the law is no more demanding anything from him. Are you with me? What the law was demanding, Christ came and paid it. So that you will not owe the law anymore. So, you in Christ, you are no more a debtor to the law. You are now, you owe all your allegiance to Christ. Amen. The one that paid. Are you listening to me? But some of us are trying to have two masters. Amen. We want to go back to the law. To pay what has already been paid. 
And then sometimes we want to follow Christ. He said, no, no, no. Christ is the end. King James put it that way. It's the end of the law for righteousness of everyone that believes. So if you have believed in Christ, understand that the demands of the law have been met for you. The law said, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not huh? worship false idols or false gods. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. In Christ, what God did for you is that he made you the man that does not steal. So the law cannot tell you that shall not steal because you don't steal. You were made a new creation. That new creation does not steal. The laws were put for the one that is lawless. You are not the lawless. Amen. Are you understanding me? Are we there? So, every day you seek to understand who you are. Hallelujah. If you don't understand who you are, you will not manifest who you are. When you understand that you are not, it is not in your nature to steal, then you will not steal. Amen. Are you understanding me? That's the message of the New Testament. I came all here to, to explain all of this. Okay. So, at least... You have an idea of what the righteousness is. That means that the scriptures clearly saying that righteousness is a gift. Hallelujah. It's not a reward. Okay? Righteousness in the New Testament is a gift that God has given to us based on what Jesus did on the cross. Now, going back to being skillful in the message of righteousness. If you, if you now know what righteousness is, how do you get skillful in it? Even in the Old Testament, prophecies have been given about righteousness. Amen? For example, David was saying something, I think it was in Psalm 32. He said, blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. That means that the man that God will call righteous is the man that is blessed. Are you understanding me? That means that that gift of righteousness is the blessing. One thing it does for you. What, what does the scripture say the blessing does? Proverbs 10, 22. Let me show you. One to go. It has not come. So some of you are reading from the other Bible. Proverbs 10, 22. Go. Read again. Now, David was prophesying. And he said that that man that God will call righteous is the man that is blessed. Are you understanding me? Said, Who is the blessed man? He said, oh wait. That man that you will see that God will call righteous is the man that is blessed. Just as he called Abraham righteous and you saw the blessing on Abraham. Are you understanding me? That man that God will call righteous, that's the man that is blessed. So, when the man understands what righteousness is, he will manifest blessing. So, definition of what the blessing is. See, this scripture is a definition. You know, some of you did um, economics, physics, whatever, in secondary school, and then they always define things, alright? They say, what is, give me something in economics, alright? The, the laws, uh, what's 
Uh, demand and supply. That's the one everybody remembers. <laughs> and you know, one thing in secondary school is that they always define things for you. Okay? That is a this so 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 so. Alright? But what I will never forget is waves. Physics. Waves are temporary, have you disturbances, blah blah blah. I remember that one. Now, that's definition. This Proverbs 10.22 is a definition. It's defining to you what the blessing of the Lord is. That's why there's a comma after the blessing of the Lord. Alright? Because it's giving you a definition. So he said, what is the blessing? It is that which makes rich and adds no sorrow. Amen. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. So when the blessing is manifesting in your life, it will make rich. That means this scripture is telling you, it's not Chevron that makes rich. This scripture is telling you, are you understanding me? That it's not, it's not, it's, it's not business that makes rich. It's the blessing. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And then we have further information. That the righteous is the blessed. Amen. Amen. The righteous is the blessed. So, if I am skillful in the doctrine of righteousness, I will see how righteousness relates to wealth. Look through the Old Testament. You will see several connections. One we, we can readily remember. Psalm 112, I believe. Verse 3. Yeah. Psalm 112, verse 3. It says, Wealth and riches aha, shall be in his house. Then he now tells you that this man is, see, is the man that his righteousness does not go and come. <laughs> and his righteousness endure it forever. Because it endure it forever, it attracts what? Wealth and riches. When God declares you righteous, it means that He has said, nothing good should be held back from you. Are you with me? When God has declared you righteous, He's implying. Let me use pidgin English. He's saying nothing to you. <laughs> Are you understanding me? So it means that there's nothing that should be held back from you. God declaring you righteous means that He's saying that anything that is good for me is good for you. Are you understanding the picture? That's what God is saying. That's what righteousness means. That's why it's a very serious matter for you to understand and to be skillful in the word of righteousness. Another thing you discover about righteousness, let me just connect it to authority, is that, first of all, in the Old Testament, people had a picture the picture they had about God was that if you see God, you're going to die. Are you understanding me? So everybody was afraid. If even they saw an angel, they start apologizing. You understand that? They start apologizing. That was the picture they had. That no man can see God and live.
So even prayer, let's use the tabernacle for an example. The temple. Okay, the tabernacle of witness, you know, where they have the outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. The ceremony surrounding the temple or the tabernacle already shows that there is, there is a very strict protocol. Are you understanding me? All of us might go close to the place. Some of us can enter the outer courts. Then, priests alone can enter the holy place. Then, high priest alone can enter the holy of holies and not any time he likes so. Once in a year. <laughs> are you understanding me? So there are some people that are born again today that when they want to pray, they carry that mentality. They say, I prayed yesterday. I'm entering that place too much. Let me wait now. Are you understanding me? Then there are others that carry the mindset with them that this thing I'm going, how will God accept me? You know, today when I was on the road, you know, I had a misunderstanding with um, a driver when I was driving my car and I insulted him. Short, I gave him a piece of my mind. Alright? Now I want to come and pray. The devil say, you, you want to pray after abusing that man. Then as you are kneeling down, you are considering whether you should pray or you should not pray. Say, so Lord, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow. And then you go. Then tomorrow you try to pray again. The devil will always be there to tell you. <laughs> you know the damage you caused to that man. You want to proceed into the presence with such wickedness. He said, I'll pray tomorrow. <laughs> Another day has entered. Are you understanding me? <laughs> and then you wait to pray on a day where you check yourself. You check yourself. Check yourself. I'm okay today. Let me pray. That means you are still standing on your own righteousness. Listen to me. The reason why God answers your prayer is not because you did something right or wrong. Why God answers your prayer is because Jesus did something right for you. If not, when we are praying, we say, In the name of Emeka. Why don't we pray? In the name of Okonkwo. Why don't we pray like that? We pray in the name of Jesus. That means that that's the reason why he's listening to us. We are coming not in our name. Are you understanding me? If you are born again, you have been given the right to come into God's presence with the name of Jesus. So when you say, in the name of Jesus. He has accepted you the way he will accept Jesus. He has accepted you the way he has accepted Jesus. Because he had gone into his presence as a forerunner for us. Hallelujah. That's why he answers your prayer. So I say, what if I sinned? And I have not yet confessed the sin. If I pray, will God hear me? Now let me say this to you. You see, sometimes when we come along these areas and teach on these areas, a lot of people get it mixed up. And I like explaining it so you don't get it twisted. God's standard about 
sin has not been lowered by any means. Are you understanding me? God has not, listen, God has not changed to say, okay, anything you like, do. No. God has not changed. But let me tell you what has changed. When Jesus died, God, so to speak, tied his own hand. Are you understanding me? That he will not respond to the sins of a man that has hidden himself in Christ. You didn't hear me well. <laughs> and I like the way some of you, the thing shook you. Amen. But that's how powerful it is. That means that if I do something wrong, listen to me. In the Old Testament, when you sin, you know, there's a difference between the consequence of sin and God's judgment on sin. Are you understanding me? God's judgment on sin is that, ah, what? I told people not to go there, went there. Fire! <laughs> are you understanding me? Somebody ground will open. Somebody will be swallowed up. People are buried. God say, try me again. <laughs> are you understanding? Try me again. <laughs> Even Moses had to tell God, take it easy, God, take it easy. Take it easy, take it easy. Moses was the one telling God, say, look, if you continue like this, they will say that I brought them out of Egypt. But I could not even take them to Israel. I finished all of them on the way. I spoke everybody up. Let some people remain. <laughs> Moses was the one talking to God. When God is blazing, he will be saying things like, this time, even if Noah comes, I will not agree. God is God that is talking. But let me tell you what happened. Maybe I should read a scripture to you. Hallelujah. Is someone getting blessed? Something happened. And we were beneficiaries of that thing that happened. Glory to God. Verse 7 of Isaiah 54. I'll read verse 7 to 10. This is a prophecy about the New Testament. Alright? It says, For a small moment have I forsaken thee. When Jesus was on that cross, remember Jesus was crying out and then he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani. He was speaking out. He said, um, my God translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So for that moment, God forsook Christ. Alright? Are you with me? Because your own sin was laid on Christ at that moment. So that's what this scripture is saying. For a small moment have I forsaken thee. Are you saying that? It was a small moment. Then he said, but with great mercies will I what? Gather thee. That's not. He said, "Great mercies will I gather thee." Next verse. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, emphasizing what he had said earlier. But with everlasting, that means it's not something that will end. Everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, said the Lord thy redeemer. Verse nine. 
For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be rough with thee nor rebuke thee. Are you with me? Verse 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness, this is to you, my kindness shall not depart from thee. This is the new covenant. What it is talking about. My kindness will not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, said the Lord that had mercy on thee. That means that when Jesus came, Isaiah 53 tells us, let me just read the scripture so that you have it. Isaiah 53, let me show you something. I'll read verse 11. I read 6 and then 11. Let's read 6 first of all. Are we together? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, that now Jehovah, had laid on Christ the iniquity of what? Of us all. Are you understanding me? That means that the sins, our sins were laid on Christ. And the moment we believed in what was done, we became partakers of the mercy and forgiveness. Are you understanding me? Verse 11. He shall see, that Jehovah shall see the travail of the Lamb's soul. Amen. And shall be what? And shall be what? And shall be what? That means that the punishment, eh, God was satisfied with it. Are we together? Now, we came here because of what I was trying to establish. So, it means that the reason why God is relating with me is not because of what I do right or do wrong. He's relating with me based on what Jesus did. Are you understanding me? Now, okay, if that is the case, what was Paul's argument in Romans 6.1? He says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, okay, since God will answer my prayer, whether I, I sinned or I didn't sin. Now, let me, let me I, I'm, drop this before I move from here. If you sin, and because of your sin, God will not hear your prayer, then that means that you cannot receive forgiveness. Because the one that still forgives you is God. Are you understanding me? Are you listening to me? So, it means that, you know, some people say that if you sin, that period, God will turn his back on you. Then when you repent, he will turn his front on you. There's no front and back. Are you understanding me? No. You are with him. Amen. The covenant does not change because of what you did. Are you understanding me? No. It doesn't change because of what you did. Okay, having said that, so shall we continue in sin? Why should we not continue in sin? Let me explain first. Anytime you sin, no matter how much you know about God's forgiveness, 
condemnation will come to you. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Condemnation will come to you. And what condemnation does to you is that even if you know that if you go to God, He will answer you, there is a weight condemnation brings on your shoulder. Are you understanding me? That's one thing about condemnation. The second thing about sin is what Hebrews talked about. I didn't want to go there today. He said, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That means that sin will dull your spiritual senses. It will not stop your relationship with God. It will dull your senses. If 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 um, the illustration I want to use here is this: when you see our spiritual senses are very important in our work with God, are you understanding me? They are very important. I use another term: your spiritual perception. Hallelujah! How you pick things in the spirit to know what direction to go. Any believer that does not understand the leading of the Spirit will live far below God's expectations for him. So when you keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning, you will not be picking the things of the Spirit because you are a slave to your flesh. Are you understanding me? It's what your flesh tells you that you do. So when the Holy Ghost is prompting you, you might be getting, you know, have you seen someone, say, someone you know, this soldiers that are communicating with um, uh, um, maybe one of those communication gadgets and the other guy is telling the guy don't proceed, don't proceed but the guy is hearing only, he's not hearing the don't he's just saying pro- proceed, pro- pro- because he's breaking proceed, proceed, he's not hearing don't proceed, he has to say proceed, proceed he said, yes sir Roger that sir <laughs> what happened was that he was not getting clear signals are you understanding me? yeah but it has nothing to do with God. Amen? On God's side, He will be reaching out to you to help you to come out of that sin. Amen? He will never... You know, there's a picture somewhere have about God. Come, come on stage. Yes. It's like, this picture some of you have about God. That you're just walking your Christian life. God will now be doing you... God will be trying to trip you, putting his legs... Say, ah. Uh, uh. That's not God. Amen. You are trying to walk straight in the things of the Spirit. And God is the one that is doing that to you. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Listen to me. Rather, when you are trying to fall, God is holding... I you not read the scripture in Jude chapter 1? But ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Next verse. Give me... Um, Jude one twenty. Alright. Next verse. Pray the Holy Ghost. I'm going down. Yeah. Good. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The next one. And of some half compassion making a difference. Next one. It's 24 actually I'm going to. Just go to 24. Good. Now unto him. That is what? Able to what? That means you are trying to fall. It's keeping you from falling. Amen. 
That's what God is doing for you. Amen. He's keeping you from falling. He's not helping you to fall. To keep you from falling and to present you what? Faultless. Before the presence of His glory. How? With exceeding joy. See, on the last day, God wants to say, Now behold my soul. Are you understanding me? That's with exceeding joy. Amen. He wants to present you faultless with exceeding joy. Now I can present to you faultless and say, Don't mind him. If not, I helped him. Stupid boy. If I didn't help him, he would not be here. No, 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 no. He wants to present you with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Look at what, what, has, look at what has happened. Glory to God. He's able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless. Glory to God. Woo. Where were we? Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So understand that. Now, God does not answer your prayer because you did right or did wrong. The reason He answers your prayer is because you are His child. Amen. And He will hear your prayer. You know, let me just drop this for you. The reason why God, you should not steal. Listen, you know, it's not because if you steal, you know, they say, ah, if you steal, hey, God will make that people will steal your own thing. No. Let me tell you how the world works. Amen. Praise God. Lishke Pratozo. Let me just show you this. God has brought us to an inheritance. Are you understanding me? That means that all of us in Christ own things. Eh? We own things. Some of the things you own are somewhere else. They are not with you now. But they have your name on it. Now, in the realm of the Spirit, God has distributed things, just like giftings and places and people for us. There are people, <laughs> when I say this, it makes me laugh. There are people that you own. And there are places that you own. There are some people that are here because of you. And you are here because of some people. That's how it is. Now, Anytime you steal, you take what does not belong. See, when that statement said, in those laws and Ten Commandments, God was revealing something deep. When you steal, you have taken into your space that which is not yours. It contaminates your space. It's not that God judges you when you steal. No. When you take something that doesn't belong to you, you keep it there. That's the same thing that happens when God is impressing on you to sow a seed and you still keep it. Are you understanding me? It starts contaminating your space. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This phone, drop it. Drop it, drop it. Drop. He didn't drop it. You now hear that Junior, that is four years old, used the phone and broke James' nose. If the phone had gone, it would not have broken anybody's nose. Are you understanding me? What is happening there is that that object huh, is not supposed to be here. 
That's what happens when you steal. Are you understanding me? You go and bring something that is not supposed to be in your space and keep it there. What is the leading of the Spirit to us most of the time? Why does the Spirit of God lead you one day? Just say, carry this, you throw, give it out. Carry this house, give it, land, give it. Because there are things that pass through you to get to where who owns it. Are you understanding me? There are things that pass through your hand to get to who owns it. Covetousness is you not willing to let go of things that are not supposed to be with you. And you wanting things that are not supposed to be with you. Are you understanding me? That's covetousness. Are you seeing the picture here? Okay. So you will not be blaming God for the things that are happening around you. You will now understand that. Listen. Do you know the scripture says that? Whatever you sow is what you will reap. The Bible didn't say whatever you sow, God will punish you with. No. No. What you sow, you will reap. That means that God has given you power to choose what you want to reap. Are you with me? He has given you power. Okay, you can just say, I want to reap that. You start sowing to reap that. Listen. The covenants, I will end here. The covenants, by virtue of what Jesus has done, the covenant is that nobody in Christ will beg bread. He said, the righteous forsaken, no, he see begging bread. Alright? That means that the covenant will feed you. Whether you work or not, God will take care of you. He said, you don't have job, you don't do anything, don't do anything. You pray. Food will come. Are you understanding? Now, but let me tell you something. You will never have fulfillment. Are you understanding me? You will never have fulfillment. God taking care of you is not because of what you do or didn't do. That's what God was telling them. He said, look, look at the birds of the air. Which of them walk in Chevron? Is there any bird of the air that walks in bank? Moby? Anyone? He said, God feeds them. Are you understanding me? The flowers of the field. God dresses them. Amen. So God, the basics, feeding, clothing, shelter. You know, oh God, oh God, help me with your house. Someone just be passing. What my what are you doing here? So I don't have house. Come and stay with me for a while. But you know what will happen? You always have just get along, get along. There's abundance. Abundance is a function of how you work the covenants. How you apply what God has done for you. Are you understanding me? That means that God didn't set a limit on how prosperous you can be. The limit is set by you. So the principle of giving and receiving is your own license to position yourself where you want to be. That's what it is. That's the new covenant. Hallelujah. That's why if I give more than you, and I advance more than you, does not mean that Jesus loves me more than you. No. He loves two of us the same. But I have skillfully used the word of righteousness. Are you seeing that? Because I am skilled in the message of righteousness. That's the skill we're talking about. You know how these things work. And then you are working it. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your right hand everywhere. Say, I'm on new ground. Say it again, I'm on new ground. 
I am skilled in the message of righteousness. I am getting more skilled in the message of righteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ. And let me say loud, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded.